0: Hi, I'm Brooke. Hi, friends. I'm Suzanne. And we are the founders of SeekPurposeNow.com. Seek Purpose is a community platform where we can come together and share and grow through our stories, struggles, and victories. It was like you guys as friends before jen was in recovery and did you know she was an alcoholic yeah. <laughs> that's a great question i want to hear this one
1: i did know she was an alcoholic but she didn't know that i knew she was an alcoholic i don't think did you know that i
2: knew no because when i when i finally told you you're like oh good i knew and i was like what it was,
1: it was
2: like the cardboard box of wine under the kitchen sink that is such a that is such a yes yes <laughs> I got to that level, people. That's how much of an alcoholic I was.
0: It's so common, before you get into your guys' story, it's so common how many times I've sat with other recovery women, or men even in that fact. Anybody, We're always the last ones to see that we have a problem. But everybody else around us, we think, oh, we're not hurting anybody. Nobody knows what's going on, but... Obviously,
2: yeah. When yeah. I found out that everybody knew, I felt gypped. I was like, well, if I knew you guys all knew, I would have put it on more. <laughs> like, I would have been, like, less guilt about all this. It would have been enjoying my drinking, yeah. You're not trying to hide it. No, I wouldn't be, yeah. <laughs> enjoying it?
0: Oh, so tell us, what, what, what as a friend looking in, what what were you going through, soon? So
1: Jen and I have a really unique relationship where... We can call each other out very straightforward on things. Like, seriously, like, we'll just be like, what you're doing is not okay. Like, what's going on? But there are several times in our relationship where I haven't been that person. And that's probably from God. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I know it is. Because I think there's times in relationships where you have to know that somebody needs to come to it on their own. Or they're never going to deal with it. And that calling them out on something isn't actually loving and helpful it's actually more loving and helpful to be there for them and let them come to the realization on their own so that they actually want to get help um so honestly it looked like just doing life with Jen um doing family dinners
2: after after the party the one the one time yeah (laughs) Your, that's the yeah, because that's a calling out. You called me out, so I did. So Jen had this, boy- I was mad at her. <laughs> she had a boyfriend at the time
1: who was not healthy, and up and I had a party and at my house because I throw sangria parties once a year. <laughs> and up until the party, like I didn't like him, I didn't respect him, I had told her. I didn't think he was a good example for her children and that I didn't think he should be living in her home with her but I hadn't really I just let her know you know this guy is not great and then he came to my party with Jen and it was terrible I watched him completely ignore Jen and flirt with every other woman at the party he damaged my house he would not respect my rules and I finally, like, I'm like, we're at an adult party. And like, to me, it's like, you sit around, you drink, you talk, you have a great time. You don't
2: smash <laughs> light fixtures. That's and... the part, hold
1: on. That's from a normal. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> the three <laughs> of us
2: are like, oh well, what kind of parties is that? That's right.
1: <laughs> and like and I finally put my foot down and I said, you will never come to my home again to her boyfriend. And then I said to Jen, Jen. It is not okay for my children to be around this man. We will not be going to your house anymore while you are with him. And he is not allowed in my home. We can meet and we can hang out and I love you so much. And we can meet outside the home, but my children are not safe in your home anymore. And so we will not be coming to your house anymore, which was huge because we... Did family dinners. We She babysat my kids. We spent tons of time with her. And I could not allow the damage in her life to affect my children. And
2: so I finally took a stand. And,
1: and it was really hard. It was
2: really hard. And that was in uh, June or July. And I didn't get sober until the following April. Mm. So um, I did break up with that with that man in around september october is when it happened and i will tell you that the best example of jesus love is the fact that i broke up with him and a week later we started doing tuesday night dinners and sarah don was at my house every single week Mm -hmm. and neither one of us really could afford to have each other over like let's just be clear on this this is part of our story i There were, there were Tuesday mornings where I would wake up and I go, ah, well, I don't have enough food for all of us, but, oh, well, I guess we're having spaghetti and tomatoes, right? (laughs) And that's what we would have. And somehow there was always leftovers and somehow we would always, but always be able to put it through. But the piece where, that's where our friendship uh, solidified was in that moment because, that's the first experience i'd had with a friend okay i hadn't come i hadn't come to recovery yet i was still drinking and this is where Sarah Dawn got to see it she was coming over i didn't have that abusive man living with me it was just me living with me and me living with the kids mm. and every tuesday you were over and having dinner and i was drinking and i thought i was hiding it so well <laughs> so then when I started school in the February of following that year, 2015, we were still doing family dinners, and that's when my addiction got heavy. That's when it, That's when I became a daily drinker and was shaking in the morning and waking up in the sweats and didn't know what I was going through. But there was, there was Sarah Dawn still at my house every single week faithfully helping me understand love. Like I I learned the love, the kinship of friendship biblically mm-hmm. from Saradon. Mm-hmm.
0: So special. True it's
1: friendship yeah. is is that calling each other out on things. Mm-hmm. But it's also loving someone through their worst parts and it's also just showing up.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But something Jen has taught me too like it's about calling out things if you can't call out your friends and still be friends then you're not really friends You're acquaintances but if you can go through a rough patch and call someone out on something knowing that you have to walk away from them in that moment and then come back to them and how ha- you have a deeper level of friendship than you will ever have if you can't do that with somebody And it's what I appreciate about Jen so much. And it's why she's the person I go to when I have, when I'm starting to doubt my own faith in God. And she's like, hey, remember this? Remember this? Remember this? Like God's got you. You've had faith for this and this and this. And it always happens. Like, remember that time you prayed for God to send you a check and then he sent it direct deposit into your bank account instead? Like God's (laughs) got this. And we do that for each other. Like... She was reminding me of a story where she was going to school and she was like, oh, but I can't afford a car. And I was like, Jen, you can't do school without a car. God (laughs) is going to make it so you can get a car. And then I got a car. She got a car. And like, she's the person I go to. Like when I I got got a
2: when I got the eviction notice because they were tearing down and selling the house there's the saradon was my biggest cheerleader no it'll be fine you will find maybe you will find a house in south burnaby (laughs) (laughs) because i just had to leave my house because the landlord
1: was moving in and jen had of course been by my side with faith that god would find me a new house um we don't live in townhouses or apartments we live in houses Houses. because our children need yards to dig (laughs) and build and she was there beside me the whole time like um, God will find you a house. God will find you a house. And I got a house on the south slope of Burnaby. And Jen was my daycare lady. And all of a sudden, she's looking at having to move. And I'm like,
2: maybe God wants you to move to South Burnaby. And I was like, I am not moving to South Burnaby. But I live in South Burnaby. <laughs> in, in a house. In a house. Oh, yeah. Like five it's really cute away. too. Yeah. It's really cool how God really brought us together and i love that you know the bible talks about iron sharpening iron Mm -hmm. and sarah dawn is my sharpening stone
1: after going through recovery she is the mother i choose to have be the mother of my children when i can't be there wow
0: if you're a fan of this podcast we know you've heard us talk about uplift wellness they are certainly building bridges aren't they offering mobile services to your door for counseling. Can you believe that? If you are suffering, struggling, or need support or advocacy, you need to get in touch with Uplift Wellness today. You have to go to this website. It's www.upliftwellness.ca. That's lift with a Y, upliftwellness.ca. What is some advice... You know, to our listeners who are out there who are just like, oh, just sitting in their their chairs or in their cars or before they go to bed and they're listening to your guys' stories and they can so identify. But they're still in that place.
2: Instantly what I feel in my gut to say is something that we talk about in recovery is you might not know who you're talking to and you might not know what you're talking to, but pray. And it's really hard to pray the first few times that you pray. It is incredibly difficult to make yourself vulnerable Mm -hmm. to this thing that you don't understand. But I also want to kind of give you a little tongue-in-cheek and tell you, if you don't believe in God and you don't have an understanding of a power greater than yourself, why is it so uncomfortable to be vulnerable? Why is it so uncomfortable to pray? And I believe that because when I was learning how to pray, I had to reckon in my logic brain, not in the the weird dreamy gen brain, but the logical part of me. I had to reckon, why am I so uncomfortable with praying to something I don't understand? And it only drew me to, then it must be God. It has to be the creator of the universe. And that's what's helped me Beyond phoning people, beyond counseling, beyond reading a Bible, beyond talking to um, friends about their problems or other people, helping other people, beyond all of that, the one thing that has kept me grounded is praying.
1: That's so funny because that's what I was going to (laughs) say. Prayer, like, you can always talk to people about your problems, but they're not always going to have a practical solution for you. And I'm a very practical person. God always has a solution for you, and it's better than anything you could ever imagine. But he wants a relationship with you, Mm -hmm. and prayer is how you build relationship with God. And Jen and I can both list pages of answered prayer. And it's one thing we talk about is how people who don't go through what we've been through they don't ever get to experience a life of faith like we have. Mm-hmm. There's times when I cannot feed my children. So I pray and I'm like, God, I need food for my children and I will come home and there will be food on my doorstep. And like I said, there was a time when I was like, God, I need money. Please send me a check. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went and opened my mailbox and I was so disappointed because there was no check. <laughs> and I checked my bank account and there was a direct deposit and There is something so hard, but also so fulfilling about praying to God and then just having faith that he will provide because there is no other solution and and just waiting on it and watching it. I literally have a list in my phone of all of the things that God has answered in faith for me. And it's why Jen and I are able in super stressful situations when you're a single mom, I don't get child support. My ex does not pay it. I support my family entirely by myself. And without that faith, without knowing that God will always provide when I do my best and I put my effort in, God will always provide. I would be a basket case. I would be stressed out crying all the time, but I'm not. And it doesn't mean that I'm perfect and I don't stress. When I do, I call Jen. Jen is my sounding board. She's my sharpening tool she's like nope remember this 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 god will provide god will take care of it may not be how you think he will but he will and and when you have that prayer and that trust you can conquer
2: anything prayer is when i take my ideas and my conceptions of how my life should or could or i want it to be And when I say, I cannot fix this. And I was very recently in a situation where I wasn't trapped, but I certainly couldn't feel my way out. And a check wasn't going to fix it. A thing wasn't going to fix it. And this was a faith that I had never had to entertain before. And I put my will into God's hands and only now being out of it, do I see that the path was set six weeks ago before. So I said, God, I don't know how to get out of this situation. I I really can't see how I can fix it. And I actually can't see how you can fix it. I just know that this is broken and I need you to fix it because I'm tired of fixing it myself. And from that moment on, it was like God was putting one I wasn't doing it. I was putting one foot in front of the other, but somehow the path was laid out before me. When I finally put my will into God's hands, it was the day before that I can, that the day before I got, was my first day sober. I didn't, I remember praying this prayer and I said, God, I know if I ask you for help, you're going to help me. And it was desperate and I put my face into a pillow and I screamed, God, I need help. I can't keep doing this to myself. And I didn't know what it was going to look like. And I certainly didn't realize that it was going to be walking into a room full of alcoholics where I was going to be learning from them. I had no idea that it would be bringing me to this moment. Oh, by the way, it's 1,500 days that I'm sober today. Cool number. Right? So (laughs) So I had no idea in that moment that the tangible way that God showed up in my life would be one person helping me and then me helping another person. I had no idea it would be like that. So let me just say again, I do not want to take away from the tangible ways that God provides with money and food and shelter. The Bible says, look at the birds of the air. They don't store up. God loves you so much more than a bird.
0: Most of my problems in my marriage, I always call it like, you know, when you you, you golf 18 holes. <laughs> There's the first nine and the back nine. <laughs> Anyways, my marriage is kind of divided that way. And... Definitely did a lot of praying and whatnot, but I I didn't really experience uh, the relationship I have today with God until I really understood that it was a personal uh, being that's within me that is unique for each one of us. And it's a personal relationship that has nothing to do with anybody else. And once I truly understood that that was going to be the one that fulfilled me, It took the pressure, actually, Mm -hmm. off of my husband, my friendships, my children. I never looked at them anymore to fulfill me. And ever since then, it was uh, something that just changed in me. Mm -hmm. And my relationships, I looked at things a totally different way. Mm -hmm. I was able to be a better and and more encouraging wife and a more loving mom, you know, and uh, try to teach my children you know, the same thing about having a relationship of their own that uh, will speak to them and just put their faith in that is really the creator of all is love. Love. Yeah. is absolutely love. And, um, you know, there's another question I have is uh, what is your purpose now today? Mm -hmm. And how has that changed?
2: Interesting question. (laughs) So,
1: (laughs) I'm currently on a leave of absence from work. My husband was the one who wanted kids, not me. So it was never a desire of mine to take care of children. I don't find myself to be a very nurturing person, a little more practical. Um, And Jen can attest to this. Like God has completely changed my heart to want to be with my children and to invest in my children. And that I have very little time left to really connect with them in a way that will help them through the turbulence of the teen years. And so this is, I called Jen about this and she was like, well, clearly that's from God. Cause that's not from you. <laughs> I was like, okay, you're right. Okay. I will just trust this is from God because you're right. It's mm-hmm. not, it wasn't my desire. It's not what I wanted for my life. And yet God has, Jen and I have been talking about how God is the great redeemer mm-hmm. and he redeems everything. And he is redeeming a lot of my hurts from being in a marriage where I did not want to have children and I had children. And then when my marriage broke apart, um, I'm the one taking care of the children fully. And that wasn't something I ever wanted. And God is redeeming that and just bringing me to a place where I just want to be with my children. And in the time that I've had off, like people have noticed And they call that out. They say, like, oh, your kids are so much more at ease now that you're Mm -hmm. home. Like, you're all so much happier. Like, I just see how your children have changed since you've been home. Like, they just love having you around. And so that would be, for me, like, how I've changed. I, honestly, my desire as a young person was to live in Times Square and have a Murphy bed in my office (laughs) and do client lunches and dinners every day so that I just, like, (laughs) lived in Times Square and now, like, I live in a house. I have, like, a Toyota Matrix garden. and car seats and a garden, and I cook and I make kombucha and <laughs> sauerkraut <laughs> and I bake. And it's so not You're the such plan such a mom. <laughs> I had for myself, and God has redeemed my terrible choices and, and has actually made me want to be a mother. So, that for me is what has changed. And it's beautiful and it's hard and it's kind of messy. And
2: I'm really excited to see how God brings about the work life balance. And on the flip side, when I was 17 years old and became a Christian, I was like, oh, good, now I can be a mom.
0: Like, that was
2: like, oh, good, this gives me license to be a stay at home mom. I don't, and so I actually had a conversation with a school counselor uh, when I was 19 years old and um, walked into the school Counselor Sardon loves this story and the counselor was like okay so we need to really actually talk about your future and I was like oh yeah I'm going to be a stay at home mom and bake bread and she's like mm, that's not a goal <laughs> she goes that's not a goal that we can support you in and I remember because I was smart too smart for my own good I'm like oh you're saying I can't do that watch me <laughs> so it doesn't surprise me that shortly after that I was pregnant and baking and <laughs> trying to make a home and that was going to be my life. And I will tell you that that has been the majority of my life. I have had periods of working part-time and I I have always done something. I have done daycare. I have done house cleaning. I have done Tupperware and Party Light and and Amway and I've done all these things like I've always been working or making money or um uh what's the word what's the word I'm looking for industrious yeah (laughs) side hustle I've always been contributing um and I was doing daycare for and I was quite happy for the rest of my life to do daycare but then Sardong got sick and took a leave and I was in a situation where God is so cool how he just overlapped those things, the way that he overlapped those things. Um, I'm working, guys. Like, I never thought I would be working full-time. I never thought I would have a career. I'm 44 years old. I'm a little bit late to the game here. But I actually look forward to having a career. So Jen and I, when you look at our life story
1: um, from the world's perspective, we failed a lot. Mm -hmm. We failed at our marriages. We failed at being the perfect mom. We've failed in a ton of ways. But the the beautiful thing about it is God doesn't look at you as a failure and he doesn't judge you on your past. And Jen and I call each other out on this all the time is that You are a Proverbs 31 woman. It doesn't matter that you used to be an alcoholic, that you had a rough time raising your children, that your marriage failed, that you didn't pull off this perfect life. You are a Proverbs 31 woman. Like, you are industrious. You take care of your family's needs. Like, you are beautiful. Having Jen and being able to say, like, you are not a failure. And in God's eyes, like, it's like those things never happened. And you are like, I don't know about you, but growing up in the church, like it's the epitome to be the Proverbs 31 woman, like you have arrived. (laughs) And to be able to say like, no, you are that person. Mm -hmm. You are. And it doesn't matter how many times you feel like you fail and fall down. Like you actually are that woman. And Jen is a huge blessing to me because I struggle with feeling like I fail all the time. That's one of my issues. I have anxiety and I always feel like I'm failing even when I'm not. And so Jen is like,
2: oh, you're not failing. Totally a Proverbs 31 woman. <laughs> and she calls out those things and you need that. I remember coming over to your house one day and you had been working that day. You were still at Starbucks. you have been working that day. And somebody, you know, was having a baby shower and like all over the house were all these handmade decorations for a baby shower. (laughs) Meanwhile, the oven was on and had cupcakes in it that she was about (laughs) to decorate. And she was decorating her house in like this bohemian way for her kid's birthday party. Like it was like ridiculous. Oh, and she has to get up for at six o'clock in the morning for work the next day. Like what? What? Like yeah, you probably go out into can, a field and buy a field and make clothing and take care of your women. <laughs>
1: Let's do it. Let's
2: buy a field. Yeah, that's actually a dream of mine. We that. were gonna buy a church and move into <laughs> it. Yeah, we talked about it. So we had another mom, because
1: a single mom friend, and we were like, you know what we should do? We should just rent a church and make dorms and live in the church <laughs> like I'm a like, sorority. Baptismal tank hot tub, yeah. <laughs> movie nights in the sanctuary. <laughs> like, we could have some pretty lit parties. Yeah. yeah. We didn't. But the girls still ask me about it. My youngest is like, are we ever going to move into a church?
0: No. <laughs> still a dream. The last question I, I, or maybe not a question, is, again, for our listeners, is prayer is what you brought up. Uh, but is there anything else tangible that you could say if they're actually at the point boy, I need, like, where do I go? What do mm. I do from here? Is there anything that you guys have that would be a go-to, a phone number, a support, um, someone who's living alone? Like, where would they
2: start? So if you have kids in school, um, as scary as it is, our schools are designed um, in British Columbia to be resource uh, helpers. Mm. And... I know um, I didn't know this until I knew this, but there is a community school in every neighborhood. So even if your kid doesn't go to the community school and you live near a community school, that is your community school. And there's a community support teacher who works in that school whose job is to be an outreach to the community. So, for example... In North Burnaby, Lockdale is a community school, so anybody who lives in North Burnaby, go to Lockdale. Talk to the community school coordinator and get some help. Um, there is, um, uh, for any parents who have children who are struggling with mental health, and what that looks like is anxiety, and that's a big old big topic. Mm-hmm. It looks like tummy aches, school refusal, um temper tantrums those are all anxiety symptoms the burnaby youth mental health is a self-referral place that's an
1: amazing resource and it, and
2: it's you go there you phone them i don't have the phone number offhand maybe you guys okay. can post it sure. somehow yeah, and get yeah, it is um Uh, to go there you you make you it's self-referral you do not need somebody to help you with that and the beautiful part about Burnaby Youth Mental Health is that it is holistic so what that means is your child will get help and they will help plug you into help as well Mm -hmm. that's fabulous we have actually had a
0: guest on a just a couple weeks ago and Uplift Wellness uh is a awesome resource that can get you connected as well that we uh have will have um posted in our notes and also uh uh the other thing too is i'm also a foster parent and and i've really noticed a big change within the that industry because a lot of parents get terrified yes that if i step forward it's mandated schools are going to report me if that's they right. find mm-hmm. out and i know that that uh could be something that's holding back a, a parent but my experiences today with the ministry mm-hmm. is they are not quick to take children mm-hmm. at all. In nope. fact, that there is so many loops to have that happen. It is not going to happen. I <laughs> unless, actually, unless an emergency happens, of course. But uh,
1: I, I called the ministry on myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, when I, uh, my middle daughter uh, has lots of struggles and she was becoming violent and tried to kill the baby several times. And I finally called the ministry and I said, look, either I'm going to kill her or she's going to kill one of us. And if you don't help us, I will hold you accountable mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. I need help now. And they have. And I have called the ministry about other problems um, and called them to my house. And they have been nothing but helpful and a good resource. And I would say if, if you are in an abusive relationship and you need to get out
0: mm-hmm.
1: go to the resources mm-hmm. call a social worker follow the steps go go to a, a safe house go to the police because when you do that You are more likely to have a success story of leaving your abuser because you will leave a track record Mm -hmm. and you will also get all of the help that they need. There are community outreach workers who can come to your house and help. If you have a small baby, there are cuddle care workers who come and hold your baby just so you can have a break (laughs) and cook or nap as long as you're with them. There are so many resources available, but you're not going to get those unless you go through social services or the police and mm-hmm. and don't be afraid of those things because they 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 will help you and get you fast track to the help you need housing etc so even if you feel like you can't leave because you're trapped and you have no finances and you have you don't have this those are excuses and the truth is that there is help out there you just need to take the step to go get
0: it definitely and if you're feeling uncomfortable and you're feeling vulnerable I've learned from my own uh, recovery and most of us, all of us, I'm sure can relate is that's when the growth starts happening Absolutely. and the change yeah. begins, mm-hmm. the change will not begin until you're uncomfortable and feeling yeah. vulnerable. Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. We were just talking about that change doesn't
1: come until you're uncomfortable because mm-hmm. that's when you're willing to let it happen. So when you're uncomfortable, get ready for change. <laughs> yeah, <there you> go. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's when just... we talk about our past, I like, it's just how far we've come is only by the grace of God Amen. and is amazing and that we are still like doing life together after some of the harsh things we've had to like call out from each
0: mm-hmm. other.
1: That's beautiful. Like you talk about like diamonds are crushed and pressed and they come out beautiful. That's mm-hmm. our friendship. Mm-hmm. It oh. is like stunning. Our friendship. I'm, I feel bad for people who don't have. Aww, friends. I too. like. It's you so don't beautiful. need a lot of friends. No, you need a lot of. I don't like need, having a lot no, of friends. you need <laughs> good friends, and that's yeah. a conversation I have with my kids. Like, you know, I think so many kids struggle with having friends at school, and I'm like, you don't need to be popular. I'm like, do the popular kids are they nice to each other? And mm-hmm. they're like, no, no, they they're not. I'm like, how do they talk about each other behind each other's backs? I'm like. So, I don't have a lot of friends, but, like, I have really good friends. And that my daughter the other day was like, Mom, when I grow up, I want to be just like you. And I was like, Aww. what are you talking about? <laughs> like, I am a hot mess. She was like, you have a really good job, Aww. and you have beautiful children, and you have really good friends who love you, and Aww. you guys take care of each other. And I was like, tears streaming down my face, because I was like, I'm doing something right, because she gets it. Like, those... the important things
0: like it it's true i just want to say thank you so much and uh what we're doing here at seek purpose uh is building a community and that doesn't mean just having you guys sit here and having a chat one time we really want you to be involved and come back and you know maybe participate in other panels that we have because you're just really inspiring Mm -hmm. and courageous women and i love you yeah thank you for getting vulnerable and like yeah
1: and it's the only way and, change happens and yeah you can't help people if you don't talk about being vulnerable like mm-hmm. you can't because people need to know that it's actually not just you mm-hmm. and until you create a conversation around these things that society has kept so buried for so long and and sometimes like for me it's especially in the church we don't mm-hmm. talk about abuse we don't talk mm-hmm. about what it looks no. like we don't talk about it's sometimes not okay to be submissive like sometimes you need to get out and that is not talked about and so I just feel so blessed that I actually get to speak those words like there are times when it's not okay and it's not God's plan and you're allowed to leave and this needs to be an open conversation in the church Mm -hmm. and we need to be vulnerable so we can help
2: other people. And I think that also speaks to what I'm passionate about, which is women need to feel their feelings. Mm -hmm. And I've learned that a lot from Suzanne, but (laughs) she doesn't know that I've learned that from her, but I have. Mm -hmm. Um, and especially in, and I agree with you, Serdon. especially in the church, because there's an expectation still today in the church about us women needing to be a certain way and a certain vision and a certain image. And whether it's put out there on purpose or it's us inventing it or whatever, it is definitely there. Our children should be dressed well and have their hair kept and, and they should be showing up to church in a certain way, and a certain behavior. And what I really see happening is as more of us, women and men equally, talking about our feelings what's happening is we are accepting our families the way they are because I know Sarah Dawn shows up to church with her children in tow no matter what they look like. And you are either dealing with it because you don't know how or you're accepting it. And to anybody who's sitting there thinking that this is uncomfortable, yes, the microphones were a little bit daunting at first, but I'll tell you guys, it's so cool because it just felt like we're having coffee over a coffee table like just a kitchen like this is cool Mm -hmm. and anybody who's um who you've invited who might be a little um leery or apprehensive about doing this come do it it's it's Really, I hope I, I can feel like this is definitely gonna help people. Whether it helps one person or a dozen. Well, we're at four so far. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Yay! Well, I'm sending the
1: link out to all my friends after this is done. Oh, asked, so- I've been talking about this nonstop. <laughs> Yay. So wonderful. Oh
0: my gosh, we are so blessed and so grateful that you guys came down and took your time to sit and have this conversation. I think it is so important and I know a lot of moms especially are just going to be so blessed by this and helped by this mm-hmm. thank you ah. guys okay are we done? yeah that's Yay! it wow actually the one thing that was incredible when I was listening to them uh, and their story and their journeys you always think that it's just like punch like you think of domestic violence of the worst kind mm-hmm. when that word just seems so profound and they really define things simply that mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean be a word it could be a um, you know, battery in so many different ways isolation isolation um, I've learned so much from them and if anybody out there is suffering and can relate then please just see, see help.
1: Yeah if you heard
0: yourself in their story at all, um, we're gonna add some resources to our show notes so you can go check that out
2: at cfonow.com and keep listening.